Well, good morning, everybody. Glad that you're here. Love seeing familiar and unfamiliar faces. And um, just kind of talking about what we're doing this morning. Uh, we'll talk more about who we are in a minute, Roswell and myself, Heath. But just kind of about what we're doing this morning. Um, the, I'm going to stand up just for a minute. It feels weird sitting down. Yeah. But uh, so this Sunday was slated to be what we call a You Asked For It Sunday. And we just kind of give people a chance to, you know, to, to submit questions on things that they would love to hear taught on on a Sunday. So we just had this this Sunday that kind of things ended before something else began. So this was always scheduled for that. And 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 as questions came in and, and as we see what's happening in our world, this question definitely kind of kind of rose to the top is one that needs to be addressed. And it's the question of of racism, uh, just retaliation, and what the, the response of the church should be. And, um, and, and so we set our course towards that as of Sunday night, Monday morning, because we kind of gave until the end of Sunday night for questions to be submitted. And, and I'll tell you, Monday and Tuesday were horrible days for me, because I thought about myself standing up here and, and, and talking about this and teaching on this. And, and while I am, you know, so comforted and, and, and confident in the truth of the gospel of Jesus and our chance to be comforted, comforted and, and healed underneath the care of Jesus. Uh, as I thought about myself trying to speak across communities, it just, there was a, this, this great um, discourse in my heart of, of like, who am I? And, and my wife, in her infinite wisdom, said, Heath, you should call Roswell. Y'all should talk about it some. Maybe he could comfort you. But I took it a step further. Instead of just calling Roswell, I said, Roswell, will you come? And he said, bro, he said, uh, he said brother, he said, uh, this is no coincidence. You guys are on my heart. And, and he said, you know, I, I'm, I'm there except for if Shelly has her baby because they're due today. And is it okay? Yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> So walking in, down in Kalachis and water, I'm, I'm lacking substance. We gave birth to a beautiful little girl um, yesterday. Yeah, man, praise God. Uh, and so, so she came a day early. Uh, I was wondering, I said, I was praying, said, God, are you, this, this racial forum is so important to, to, to us. And I say us, I mean the entire room, even those who I don't know. But, but, but some of y'all I reached out to personally, uh, personal invites, I knew that this was an issue that we needed to tackle. And uh, I said, just, just bring her in early or, or delay her a week. Uh, and so so uh, Shelly got up yesterday morning around uh, 6 a.m. And she said, it's time. And I was already like half awake because, you know, she, she's getting up every few hours because the baby just moves around at night a lot. So got up, went to the hospital. Man, my wife is a trooper. Y'all who know Shelly personally, she... <laughs> My, my respect was already up here, but, but now it's like, if I could just climb up on this, <laughs> it's like way up there. And so anyway, that, I'm here, uh, praise God for a healthy baby, six pounds, nine ounces, 20, 21 inches long. She's, she's got paws on her. She's big. So yeah, man. Uh, but but, the, but the, 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 the task at hand um, is of the utmost uh, sincerity and importance for us to deal with. And so we're going we're gonna to deal with it. And so, yeah, so I'm excited to be here. Uh, a lot of friends, a lot of family members. Um, we're ready to deal with this. Yeah. This is, just, you know, not to hit a home run in one stroke, but when it is the beginning of a process of a continuation. We've been having this discussion for about a whole year. Me, you, in the back, Andre, who's also a local guy in ministry, church planter, uh, awesome heart for the ministry. We've all been having this conversation. 
and a handful of other guys too in the city. So we just continue the process, continue to roll it out. Yeah. Yeah, when he sent the text last night saying we had our baby, I was like, yay. <laughs> Congrats. Oh no. So okay. Like trying to like just be like not be coy and like cool. And he was like, I'm gonna be there, bro. And I was like, all right, congrats. I love it. Congrats, guys. Way, way to go. Can't wait to meet it. All right, yeah. sweet. So you say boy or girl? Little girl. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, Geneva Rose Smith. Oh, yeah. that's great. <clears throat> so mom is healthy. She's home resting. Well, not home, but hospital resting. Uh, parents are there. Awesome support around her. So she's she's good. good. So, yeah. Well, if you're at the bridge often, you, you have heard maybe this term of that we believe that we're better together for the glory of God. Um, God created all that he created out of love for his glory, uh, and in Christ we're restored to that purpose, and we believe that we need each other, and so that's the heart of this morning, is a space for more of the body of Christ, and, and even those who, who would not consider themselves to be a part of that, to come and to to learn and listen to one another, and, and really our goal for today is it's about conversation. We want to create just a safe space to, to listen and to learn from one another as we bring kind of all of our, our lives under the beautiful liberating and, and cleansing truth of Jesus, and as we just kind of humbly submit ourselves to one another and, and listening first, seeking to understand, and, and enjoying the fruits of the way God works uh, through, his, through his people. Um, his, his purpose will be achieved, and he wants to do it through us for one another and for his uh, purpose in our community. Um, and we want to see our work as the, as the greater church community. We, we want to see that this results in us standing in unity uh, with one another, again, pursuing the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of God given uh, to Jesus, and, and that that's the priority over over self. And um, and so again, we, we we want to help each other. So that really is it's just a humble posture of today. Like like Roswell just said, we don't expect us to walk out the door and like, okay, good, resolved. Let's move on. Next thing, like we really hope today is something that is a starting point for some, um, something that gives courage and fortitude for those that have been in the in the work for a long time, and um, and that we can all enter into with great humility. So, so Roz, would, would you mind praying for us? Oh, man, yeah. Let me pray. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for the the uh, opportunity to be, first of all, have a platform like this and to be able to uh, get into a space with each other to to talk and to. To, to question, to challenge, and to express uh, real, real concern and real frustration, real hurt. God, uh, there's a lot. Our country, we in a place we need you, and I fully recognize, and we fully surrender this time with the full humility that this is not going to do, not going to benefit anybody without your spirit leading it. So we do need honesty. We do need understanding, but we need you to, to, to open the eyes of our heart. And, and whatever side <laughs> we're on this morning, which there are sides to this thing, and there are some, there are some different spaces, there's some different mindsets, there's some different uh, understandings that we would be able to uh, progress to a place, uh, and, I, and I pray that you would give us the the, the posture, as uh, he said, the posture of of uh, learners, but but uh, but also uh, world changers. That's what we need. That I, I we look back on the history of our country, we see we see figures of men and women who who stood for 
uh, and stood against injustice, prejudice, slavery. We see people who, who perpetuated it. May we be found faithful in this generation to make our mark, to not just pass the book along and say, well, we, we just, this is what it is, but, but to put our foot and draw a line in the sand and say, we're going to deal with this the right way. We're going to be Christ-like. We're going we're gonna to honor our brother and our sister, and we're going we're gonna to give them the opportunity to listen, whatever their ethne, white, black, Hispanic, Middle Eastern, Asian, whatever their, their, their ethnic background, God, they're going to be given the right to be heard. And God, we're going to have a dialogue, and I pray you would give us the grace upon grace upon grace to do that. We need grace in this, this hour. The prophetic implications of what's happening in our world, and our country, we need you, Father. We, we're not here just to express how we feel, but we're here to also express to you that we love you, and we're not going to walk this out without you. We're not going to go without you. We're not going to lean on our own understanding. We're not going to lean on our own beliefs socially and culturally without, without you. You gear us. You steer us. You direct us. You've given us the most precious gift. It is the blood of Christ. It washes us and it binds us and it empowers us and it compels us to shalom, to peace, to wisdom, hallelujah, to to the kingdom, to the kingdom, God. Give, give us this day our daily bread. In Jesus' name, amen. So as Roswell, we're talk, as Roswell and I were talking this week, we were just kind of thinking of what would we love to see the outcome be? And, um, and, and really thinking about just kind of this grassroots, this grassroots movement of, of the people represented in this room. If It would be a win if we could see people just entering into conversation with one another, um, with people that are different than they are, and however you want to segment that, um, but especially with, with ethnicity and race. And we just thought about three helpful questions that we would love to see present in our conversations, and that's, what are you feeling? What are you seeing? And what questions do you have? Um, just to learn and to have empathy, but then also to kind of recognizing that just even the conversation, we, we feel kind of the tension and the peril of, do we have a common vocabulary that we can share? And so today, we just kind of want to enter into that conversation with those questions and ask you guys, what are you feeling? What are you seeing? What questions do you have? And as, as Roswell just prayed, grace upon grace, and this is a safe space to not say it right. You know, like this is a safe space to not say it right, and hopefully in doing that in here, we can learn how to provide each other that space again throughout our days. And knowing that our, our sole hope is in Jesus. Jesus is the hope of salvation, the hope of reconciliation, but yet the way that God intends for that to be ministered to one another is through the church, through the body of Christ. And so that's, a, that's the posture in which we want to come into today. And any, any thoughts from you, Roswell, just to kind of open us up? Yeah, open it up. So, so we, we talked about, like, you know, what angle am I coming from? What's his angle? What's his approach? And I know for me, um, currently, presently, without going too deep into it, there's a lot of stuff uh, that, that really bothers me <laughs> um, on both sides. Um, I have a lot of black friends, and it's okay uh, to say black. It's okay to say African-American. Um, like, it really is. Because, I mean, you. people don't know. We, we, we discussed that. We chuckle about it, but I got some white friends. Like, man, what do I say, bro? Like, can I, can I, I call you black? this week. I asked him. I like, no, <laughs> can, I, can I call I, you black? I, yeah, you, yeah, bro, I'm black. It's all right. Um, and the reason why that's important is because I know his, his, his heart, his character. We've all 
we all have these, have these friendships, right? Most of us do. Most of us in this room have friends of the other color that tiptoe around, what should I call? That's the vernacular to which we find ourselves using or not using that a lot of times get us in trouble. Because watch, I, I got to, I try to stay, slow down and get out ahead of myself. I'm grieved at what's happening right now. Um, one of the areas that I'm grieved in, and we'll bounce this off each other, you know, we have dialogue, but it's the world of sports. My sports background, um, I just can't shake what's happening right now with the NFL and all these things. It's a lot. Whether you think, you, you know, guys should be sitting and kneeling, that isn't the point. There's some things that are happening. There's some factors, some elements that are contributing to these outcomes. The first one that I believe um, is contributing is, is and this is not only in that world, but socially. Because, see, the, the sports world really is just a microcosm of what's happening in the world. So for, for those of you who don't understand what's happening in the NFL and what the big deal is and why this, this great quarterback can't be pick, picked up because he's, cause he, he stood, because he kneeled, it's happening at a much larger scale. And so dynamics that we see in certain smaller circles are really just we're all experiencing together. There is no real, like, separate micro experience. We're all, we're all having the same experience together. A lot of these guys that play in the NFL, uh, I've got some friends that play in the NFL, this, in the locker room, they discuss this. They're talking about this stuff. It's not about how fast or how strong. It's about, dude, did you see what happened in, 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 in uh, Virginia last week? They're having real conversations. So let me open up with this, and I'll pass it back to you. We have such a low awareness. We're, we're, we're all so, so low on the awareness, totem pole. And it's not so much that what color you are. It's just it's socially. It's as a, as a world. A lot of it is because of these. Um, not to get scientific, but studies are showing that social media, cell phone use, our uh, default is to go to Twitter, Insta, a picture, or 140 characters before having a conversation. And, that, and that's, that's hurtful. And so when you have a whole society and culture doing that, what's happening is... It's, it's, it's weakening our ability to, to talk through and work through stuff together. It's, it's really, it's, it's killing us. Put the phone down. <laughs> Awareness, intuition, right? Um, so God created every man in his image, in his image, the Imago Dei. One of the greatest things he's given us is intuition as humans. It's, it's what he put in us. So whether you believe in Christ or not, it's in every human being to have intuition. The word intuition and the Latin root actually breaks down to learn without being taught. So there's this whole side of us that we're not even tapping into socially, y'all, socially, because we're so enraptured by these and by other things that are robbing our attention, that are weakening our ability to walk out these type of, like, ills socially. And if we dealt with that, that might actually fix a lot of it. I mean, when's the last time... You know, you saw something on social media like, man, that was a really bold statement. I don't know if that person would have said that in somebody's face, right? They, they, he, he might not have said that in, a, in an open forum, but he has that, that screen to hide behind. So our awareness is really what's, what's hurting us. And I feel like that needed to be addressed in this conversation. And when y'all get to ask questions, we'll deal with those. But I think I, I, would, I would humbly submit to you uh, personally that your awareness, your, whether it's high or low, is a huge part of the solution. Get more aware Get educated, get a vernacular, ask, ask somebody, ask me, ask he, man, what, what should I be saying when I have a, 
a white friend, and, and I, I, want, I want to express to him how angry I am. Or I have a black friend, I want to express to them the, how, how much I feel. What do I say without messing it up? It begins with our awareness, our intuitive instinct that God put in us to look at somebody in the eye and say, let's, what are you feeling? And then just sit back. And then let it, let it happen. Go, go ahead. And... That's what I want to do. What are you feeling? What are you seeing? What questions do you have? Right. And I'm going to sit back. Haley's got a mic, so because we want to record, that we're recording this so that it can be help for those that aren't here, please <laughs> yeah. wait for her to get to you to ask your questions. But just raise your hands if you have what you're seeing, what you're feeling, or what questions you have and hopes to understand. So, so uh, on Facebook, I see a lot of people that, uh, that spout racist comments, and I delete them as friends, and I just don't talk to them anymore. How should I respond to people on Facebook that put their nonsense whenever I see them in real life? Because uh, these are people who I have done community with at various churches or family members who I just disconnected myself from. Should that be my response, or should I become argumentative with them? Wow, yeah. Good question. You want to tackle that one? I can follow you. Or you want me to perfect? I'll tackle it. I'll do what I can. Either way, it's going to get dealt with. So. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. That's right. I might miss the tackle. You can be the free safety getting him if he gets by. Okay. Um, I, I mean, my immediate thought is like, there's always truth is truth, and we should always trust the effectiveness of proclaiming God's truth. But yet, as as humans seeking to to Go forth in the love of God. He met us where we were. And I would say we shouldn't just uh, want to speak truth, but also do it in helpful ways. And so if I would say just thinking about that arena, it, it is, I would say it's nearly impossible to engage in a helpful way. Just my, my own take. Um, and I think what looks like the gospel, what looks like the way that God engaged a world that was hurting and, and hateful and rebellious is that he entered in relationally. And I would say, where you can, enter in relationally. I would say the, the public forum over Facebook, over Twitter, where you're, you're, you're limited of context, you're limited of characters, and you're limited of, of the, the nonverbal, it's just way too wrought with the, with the opportunity. And, and, you know, and you can say, well, well, if it's presented in the public sphere, shouldn't it be addressed in the public sphere? Go ahead, Kenneth on a response on Facebook, because again, yeah. I just delete people. I just yeah, yeah. don't want to okay. get their crap. Um, Fair. But how should I respond to these people when I see them in real life? And there's a lot to deal with. How, what should my response to this be, or should I continue to just let them live in their own little world? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll just say one sentence, and I'll let Roswell jump in, is that with those kind of, uh, kind of systemic realities, have the long game in mind, uh, again, thinking about what's helpful, um, and, and I would say address if you have the opportunity, but be patient. Um, the most important thing is for you to live out the love of God so that it smells different, it looks different, it sounds different. Um, us shouting louder, being more um, convincing in our arguments is not going to be what changes the heart. Only the gospel can change the heart. And so it's how can we as those who have Christ in us, who have the Holy Spirit in humble ways, uh, invite them into something greater, invite them into something better, as opposed to just convincing them that they're wrong. So, but before you come back to me, let's let Roswell. No, it's good, good. Let's yeah, let that, Roswell. That's a great question, and that's a, that's a real issue. Uh, 
I would say that everything you, your response always in anything in life comes down to your convictions and what you really believe in and what you say you're about and what you actually show you're really about. So if you're really about justice and about reconciliation, you get to address that person. Uh, and you, you got you to gotta have wisdom in how you do it, when you do it, right? All of those things. There are the dynamics involved that make it hard to, you know, walk with someone that's not trying to hear it. But if it's somebody that you, you're a friend with, you have a history with them, there's a context. My experience is that, dude, our history and our context affords us a conversation about this, this issue and, and why you can't see the real, <laughs> the real problem and what compels you to go on social media and do this, which is totally out of line. It's accountability. And I think that's where the believer, I think a lot of times, and y'all please hear me when I say I'm not, please understand me. Because for those who know me, this is, this is not because I'm just bold, because I really believe this. We have to hold people accountable. We have to. And that's not easy. And it requires to almost do everything opposite of what we've been doing socially. These and kind of like just putting stuff under the rug and just kind of not dealing with stuff. Uh, the, the tendency to not be confrontational. And so it's going to require um, a, a boldness about your, about your approach. But also, I say this, <laughs> make sure you're ready to listen. Make sure you're ready to understand. So your guns might be loaded. I'm finna, I'm finna, I'm finna call this boy out. I'm finna, I'm finna read him his rights in the same, in the same breath. Cause that, and you know what? That's justified. Right. So he said, what if he's not ready to listen? Then, then, I would, then I would say that's where the maturity comes in and, and, and the responsibility as an adult comes in. And you just, you just uh, think of different ways. So for example, this is, this is a real true story. Not racially, but I had an art with someone. Real offended, right? Like, I wanted to really deal with this guy. Uh, I knew better in my heart. I wasn't even a mature Christian, but I knew better. So, so instead of addressing him face to face, I just trusted my instinct, my intuition, wrote him a letter. And the letter that I wrote was like a page long, man, but it, but it expressed what I was going through. And it, you kind of, it's vulnerability involved in this. You might not be ready to, to address something like that and engage it like that, but, you, but, you, but it's, it's incumbent upon you to figure out a way if you really care about it. I wrote a letter, letter worked, opened up a valve of conversation, we talked, we walked it out. It took, took some time, but we got there. So if, if you're not in, in a place where you can't have a conversation, because the person that you want to address might not be ready, it may be just so angry that you say, you know what, this is not going to work this way. Uh, and then the harsh reality is sometimes we have to love folks from a distance. Got to distance myself from you. I still love you, care about you, but, but I... <laughs> I need some space, because I don't agree with that. Real friends do that. Fake friends just say, well, no, we'll just write you off, and I don't care anyway to be racist. But a real friend will say, well, I love you, but I'm a love, I'm, I need some space on this one, and you, you need some too. That's all I got for that. <laughs> Did you have a rebuttal? No, no, no. no. Okay. I have a rebuttal. Because, I mean, you were about to say something. I didn't know. I wanted to make sure you. Okay, cool. cool. Thanks, Kenneth. Yeah, I'm killing this water bottle down here.
Hello. Hello. It's loud. Oh, sorry. So, um, I feel like in society there is a tendency to associate um, racial beliefs with political affiliation. Um, like, if you're on the right, then you people see you as you know inherently being. I don't want to say supporting racist beliefs, but there is a tendency for that. But I also feel like as Christians, uh, probably the Old Testament is more conservative and the New Testament is maybe more uh, liberal in a relative sense. So how do you reconcile your, I guess, political affiliations with um, this view of society that if you're a certain race or you're a certain uh, color, you have to be a certain way or think a certain way. I don't know if uh, anybody here has experienced that. If you tell people that, oh, I'm conservative or I'm a liberal, then they say, oh, then you must agree with X, Y, and Z, or you support A, B, C. All right. <laughs> I'm trying to, you know, because this is, this, this is the pastor of the house, man, so I want to make sure I respect and honor his platform. Appreciate that. Um, so... The responses to these questions are not, uh, <laughs> I mean, this is what we're, we're doing the best we can, right? I appreciate it. Man, boy brought two water bottles out. <laughs> Thirsty out here, bro. Struggling. Labor all day long yesterday, so, you know, that, that wears on. It's like a different workout, man. Y'all, it's like, golly. I wasn't even doing anything. I'm just helping her out. She's doing all the work. Anyway. So... Man, that's a hard, hard, hard question and a hard this situation. I don't have a ton of friends that um, are like super like for the right or the left, but I, but I do have some friends of friends, some associates. If I understand your question right, what it was, what you're asking is how do, you, how do, how do I navigate that tension between Oh, I'm a conservative, and then they want to label, label me, you know, a racist or whatever. Or I'm not. I'm a I'm liberal, and they label you, man, well, you must be an extreme. And that's where we are, actually. We, we're, we're there. That's what's happening, y'all. That's what's happening. Yo, dude, people are labeling other people and have no idea who they are as people. And it's so challenging, and it sucks, because to be labeled like that... And to be to have that to have that label placed on you as a person, it's almost like infringing upon your humanity. It's like, well, I'm I'm more than just a political side, bro. Like, I mean, there's more to me than that. But that's where we are. And so, my response to that is is you you have to be clear in, when you speak about these issues, um, even if you state that you are on one side or the other side. Be, be clear on, on, on what your clarity really is to be clear. You know, I've got some friends from college that I played ball with, and they're, you know, six foot five white guys from West Texas. Lo love Jesus, lo love me. But, but, they're, but they're on the right, they're Republican. And so with them, the conversation of white privilege came up one time, and that was huge because. Uh, they were like, bro, is it really a thing? I mean, like, we didn't see this in, in, in college when we were playing sports. And I said, well, let me, let me remind you of a couple of instances where it actually was real. <laughs> and then bring it to their attention, and, and their eyes open up. 
and and so they said, "Wow, that that's pretty clear," you know. And and, and so I, I take that as an example to say this: that when you are having these dialogues, interactions, you have to be competent about what you believe and what you know. The the worst thing thing that's, that's also killing us, man, is we have this low competency on stuff. We don't know what we're talking about. And you jump on social media. There's nothing wrong with posting something, but make 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 sure it's accurate and right. Make sure it actually it actually it's actually like correct, because it's eighty percent of this is all fake news anyway, right? I mean, re research it you want to. That that's the reality of it. So you have to. There's a saying: trust half of what you see, none of what you hear. That's a messed up way to live your life. But some of that kind of plays into what we're talking about. We have to be clear our position. Um, and I'll just add one last thought. You know, I think labels are unavoidable. Being categorized is unavoidable. Uh, but as Christ followers, uh, again, as, as Roswell started out by talking about that created in his image, and in Christ we are restored, I'll say our, our life should be a life of evidencing the reality that we have been renewed, redeemed, saved, and made new, given new purpose in Christ. And so I would just say that if your life is an expression and your convictions and your values and, and what you put forth is an expression of that, of who you are in Christ, then celebrate any label you're giving, you're given. Who cares about the labels? Like, you're going to get labeled, you can't help it. And if, you know, it's like what Peter said, if you're going to be reviled, be reviled for doing good. You know, and so... Whatever label comes, if it's a result of you following Christ, praise God for the label. Who cares about it? That's my encouragement. So. Over here in the back. <laughs> I'm pretty confident this won't be a clear question, but I'll just, hopefully you'll be able to respond in a way that you think is right. Um, I saw a cool study from a professor at North Texas, and it was kind of highlighting how, obviously, there's been a lot of racial tension in the country, and ironically enough, like, the people who are supposed to lead by example, the church, may be even further separated in a lot of occasions, like, racially than uh, even society, and there was even good evidence to show, hey, this is not going to get better anytime soon, if any anything, there could be a lot more extremism coming. Um, you know, so like, for me, I have obvious bias of being uh, raised as a white man and uh, the privileges that come with it and kind of some of the generic thoughts like that me or people like me would think is like, hey, this wasn't us that wronged you. That's in the past. Why don't we move forward? Uh, some of those type of things. And I kind of want to put you on the spot uh, morning after you had a child and just, uh, and just ask, uh, what, are, what are some of the things that, uh, this is maybe like two different categories, but what are some of the things that you see that frustrates or offends you most often when it comes to your race? Um, and, or what do you think are some things that like uh, white people <laughs> should know you know, like white believing friends should know. Like, what are some things oh, yeah. that you, you know, like in, in order to move forward? You know, I hear you. Um, so yeah, that 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 uh, thank you for asking that honest question. So I can see you, bro, because I kind of got this. It's some trees in here, so um, 
and, I, and, I, and I'm answering everybody, but but that, that's a really honest question. Thank you for for asking that question. Uh, things that really offend me, um, that really upset, anger me, and frustrate me as a as a as a black leader, uh, wherever I go, um, is just the ignorance of, of 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 how people just don't know what's going on, and the lack of it seems like the lack of really like the desire to to like really make an impact about it um so there's two levels of for me frustration and offense um we had a discussion uh a lot of pastors in the city that that pastor churches that are huge major influence and they won't touch it that's a problem it's a problem it's a problem because you have a church of several thousand people, and you won't touch it. Uh, things are happening every few months, seems like, right? Is that about accurate? Every, like, five, six months, something is happening. And, and uh, you have people in your church that are of different races and ethne, and you won't, you won't touch it. That, 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 that's irresponsible, and I think, it's, I, think, I think it's an offense to the kingdom. But to me personally, I know some of these men personally, and I like, mean, you need, to, you need to really address this and deal with this, and they won't touch it. Um, so we use the platforms that God has given us, and responsibly, I do believe there, there's, there's strength in, in pausing and not, like, being so responsive to, like, something, like, the day after it happened, but, like, giving it, like a week or two, but 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 how hard is it to go before your your church and say, "Hey, man, listen, this happened. We don't like it, <laughs> and we're gonna address it, but not today." But just so y'all know, and, and and there are some guys that I've seen across the country that did that, both African American and white pastors that 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 made a statement, right? But it's like the silence of a thing is kind of the consent to a thing, and that's what we get. That's what we're all in the trouble. Is that we just not saying nothing, and it's on both sides. I've I got, I have black pastors that are the same, the same place that won't touch it. And like, man, y'all need to deal with this. You have a church responsibly full of eighty-five percent black people, affluent, middle class. These are like influences in society, it's in the city of Houston, and they won't touch it. What I hear and what I feel when I when I when I see that is I. I kind of picture Jesus in Revelation writing his letters to the churches and saying, this was good, this was good, but this one thing I have against you. And I think that's where we are. I think Jesus is like, hey, listen, you guys are great missionally. You do awesome things. You, you send out all over the world. You, you, you care for the homeless in your city. You, you have great worship gatherings. But this one thing you don't do, you're not dealing with the problems that are hurting my, my, my creation. And that's, that's kind of a blanketed statement, but that, that's what hurts me. Um, small little micro stuff, like when I, when I get, a, I mean, if something happens to me in society, somebody calls me a name, I, I won't, I'm like, that's just, people just being people sometimes. I, I have enough toughness on my skin to kind of, I just let it blow past. Uh, folks that I, that I know, I haven't had any real, like, serious, like, interactions, like, that are negative with people that I know of a different color on this issue, because we're all kind of come from the same circle, so we kind of see things similarly, but, there's some, but there are some, some things that they don't know about, that they just don't know about. And so when you talk about white privilege, talk about uh, 
all these things that, man, this is a real problem when this happened and, and police brutality, you know, and uh, when you bring the balance of uh, police brutality in the last, like, year or two, there's so many black men that have been gunned down, but there's also, in the same breath, black-on-black -black crime has also increased in certain parts of the city and in the whole world, so, so in the country. So we got to look at this. You got to be on both sides of it, but, but see it for what it is. There's a problem. There's a problem with, with the police abusing their authority. There's a problem with teachers abusing their authority. I did a, man, I was doing my own homework when, maybe about a year ago, and I was like, why are there so many shootings and people of authority abusing that authority on their, like, on those they should be serving? And you see it in three areas. As I was doing my own homework, my own study, what I saw was that in sports, in the sports world, owners don't take care of players a lot of times. Um, in the education world, teachers abuse their authority and rape students, date students, all these different things. That, that's been happening at an all-time all -time high in the last decade or so. And then there's the police, it's the law. So all of these seats of authority and power that have been invested in them to serve people are actually being abused. And I think it's just a sign of the times. Does that help? Did you want Heath to answer that at all? Or? Hey, listen, a DNA test will make, uh, make that real clear. We, you never know, man. A lot of... <laughs> my brother. I there, had a couple... There is hope. There, there was a question, I think, the lady here... Was not, uh, Talisha, raise your hand up. I think she, she was... Hers been up for a while. I don't want to... And then my man right here. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. What do I do as a female that has been in leadership in a predominantly um, white culture church in, in the past... Um, who was viewed as one who was kind of originally viewed as meek and mild. And people see me now and they think that all of a sudden I've become this radical person because I'm speaking out against the things that I believe. And a lot of times, instead of trying to understand, it's like, just shut up. And, and, and the frustrations that I have with it, how do I navigate that? Because these are people that I, in my heart, I felt like I had community with for about a decade. And to me, for someone to tell me to shut up or to want to have reconciliation, but not in a way that is productive. So you can have a forum on race, but then you have no one on that panel who actually lived during the, the civil rights movement or actually experienced racism. And you put kind of people who are going to mimic what you want to say out there. How do I navigate that as, as first a, 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 a Christian woman and second as someone who has always spoken out against injustice but is now being viewed as divisive because it's really hurtful to me because there's things that I want to do in the ministry and people are just telling me no because I don't mimic the message that they're trying to say. It's like, okay, well, Talisha, we stand with the police. We don't stand with this. Okay, Talisha, um, yes, what happened in Charlottesville was horrible, but there's wrong on both sides. And I'm like, okay, are you, are you really paying attention? Do you really want to understand, or do you want me to continue to kind of just be this puppet that can mimic your message without really speaking what I feel is going on? 
I'm sorry. That's no. That's <laughs> I'm I'm listening to you, and I'm grateful for the question and and illuminated like just what you said about putting a panel together and having no one that went through the civil rights movement and and even tailoring the pan you know the pan ta tailoring the message to where it just perpetuates kind of your center line and um, I'm I'm grateful for you and and covet your courage to be in our midst um, and so I'll, I'll say you know assuming again assuming that there is a, a, a heart for the gospel a heart for the, the reconciling work of Christ and that your 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 center line your 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 goal is kingdom truth um, I would say out of love persist and endure um, you know we are priests of believers I mean I I as the lead pastor and one of the elders of the bridge I I need our community pastors are people they need pastoring we're a priesthood of believers we we are God created us and designed us Although he is our ultimate satisfaction in Christ, that we need one another, not just emotionally, but but as a part of his 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 um, the the means in which he intends his kingdom work to be accomplished in this world. So I would say, persist, uh, humbly come alongside. You know, again, in a way, trusting the Lord over them, uh, and also giving them grace. But then, if the point comes where you say. This is, I mean, kind of like what Roswell was talking about earlier. If it's just, if it's, you know, just a slam door wall shut, I, I would say be prayerful about going somewhere where your leaders will welcome that. Because we need that. And I, I, I mourn a little bit the thought that your voice and perspective is going un, unheard and unwelcomed. Um, but again, I know your leader, whatever leaders you're talking about are human and they probably have great intentions and just are, are, or maybe have a blind spot. And so I would say again, humility, go persist. But then at some point you have to ask like, okay, can, can I join in with someone that's actually going to, you can only be in the wilderness for so long. Um, and, and, and the Lord will lead you. You have to trust the Holy Spirit in you to lead you to that. And, you know, hard places are part of our obedience, um, and, and, but yet he will make that apparent. But I, I so that's, that's my, just from personally kind of definitely identifying on, on a side, I, I would want to encourage you to that. Yeah, that's a great response, man. I, I, uh, I affirm that 110%. I will say this, I think that question opens up a whole, um, if we be honest and we talk about where we are, there, there's our, there are, uh, my man said it back here, there's probably more coming. It's probably going to intensify. And this is a, something that I, I, I'm going to build my life on this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really personally make, make an effort to do, to do better about being a voice in these situations. I mean, hence, I'm here the day after my, my daughter's born. This is, this, is, this is serious to me. Uh, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I could just, nah, man, I'm tired. There's <laughs> a baby. My wife needs me to be. And so we're going to have to do things, make decisions about some of our allegiances, some of our friendships. It's like following Christ. <laughs> when you think about it, I mean, when I came to Jesus, man, I, there were some guys I just couldn't roll with no more. I said, man, I can't, I love y'all, bro, but 
on that level right there, the days are over with. Not gonna be in the club, not gonna be drinking, not gonna be doing this. That, 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 I'm dead to that stuff, man. And so in a similar respect, like, like he said, you may have to consider like, man, do I really wanna be? And this is a conversation I think that needs to happen offline as well. So for those of y'all that like wanna go deeper and have like deeper questions, man, like please believe this isn't just the end of like, you get that's all you get. You can always come to us. But that's what I would say. I, I, would, I, would, I would agree with that and I would even say to the point, this is, this is really about making like some real hard decisions in, in, in life and then where you're gonna serve and where you're gonna give your life to. I just have one more question. Um, what if when I'm face to face with people and I'm, I'm expressing how I feel and they're telling me, yes, we want you, but then, well, I guess this is something kind of a little bit personal. It's like I've been invited to several things where these same people are in authority to come and be a missionary. So I go. But then, and I sign up for everything that God is leading me to sign up, and they're praising me. Yes, cool. But then when it's time to go, there's, like, nothing. There's, like, dead silence. And I'm reaching out and reaching out face-to-face, -face, email, phone call, and it's dead silence. So it's like I'm being blackballed, but in a sense, it's like when I'm there with you face-to-face, whatever grievances we have, like we're talking about stepping off offline and just being real with one another and expressing our grievances face to face, I feel like on my end, I'm willing to go face to face and, and say everything that I have to say, but there's no willingness on the other side to wanna like sit down face to face. It's just kind of like dead silence. And that's where I would apply the authority of scripture when Jesus, Paul, the apostles, they, they carried this, you know, they carried this, the mantle the Holy Spirit was on their life, and they, they spoke truth that we see in Scripture. Let your yes be your yes, and your no be your no. Um, Jesus having the dialogue and the Beatitudes and all throughout just the Gospels, this, this, this attitude, this posture of honesty. And I think that's where I think some of those issues would probably be, what does the Scripture tell us? What do we know about Jesus in this moment? What, what, what did Jesus say about this? What did, what did Paul say about this? And that's where I feel like a lot of these issues that swirl around our, our heads and our hearts come back to. Come back to, like, what does the Scripture say? <laughs> what does the Bible say? Um, I got hands up everywhere. How do we do it's this? It's crazy to say, but we probably only have time for one or two more questions. Isn't that crazy? And so we're going to have, and Garrett was like <laughs> next in line for a long time ago, and he's. Oh, how, how, did I, how did I see your hand up? Of, of you right in front of me. Because I'm little. Okay. <laughs> so um, bear with me. Uh, this is the first time I've actually been asked how I feel since the events in Charlottesville and, you know, since the events before that. So. Forgive my tone, hear my heart, uh, but um, I am angry, I'm bitter, I'm brokenhearted, and I'm sad that this just isn't a discussion enough in that um, I see on both sides, I'm, I'm half black, half white, but nobody can see uh, the, the white side of my life. No one can see that there's uh, shame that I felt being a black person, then the shame that I felt being a white person. My mother was born a year after integration, and so I'm raised 
with the trauma that she had to experience growing up. So that's my feeling. That's what I'm feeling in today's society is that um, both sides of my culture hate each other and that there are people in this world that want me not around, whether that means off of this country or not on, not on this earth. And that's terrifying when you've got teenage younger brothers who don't understand and weren't raised with that same kind of traumatic experiences. So what I'm seeing is a lot of churches and people in the church that are denouncing the KKK, hear my, hear my heart, but what you going to do about the KKK in white supremacy, and I don't, I don't see action plans. And in my community, words don't mean enough. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of that. And my question is, how do I uh, express how I'm feeling and deal with these emotions with my white brothers and sisters without giving them white shame? Because the last thing I want to do is give you the feeling that I've experienced for 23 years like, how do I help you see that, don't just see me as a Christian, to see me as a Christian who has to operate in a world where all you see is black. Right. So how do I show love to my white brothers and sisters and not give them the feeling of shame? That's a real question, bro. Should I, should I take a stab at that one? Or you want to speak to it? Yeah. Boy. Um, well, I'll just, I mean, I think my answer is shorter. Um, not, not, not that you're long. I'm just saying that I don't have as much to say except for the fact that love your white brothers and sisters enough to invite them in. I mean, like, uh, while I, I can definitely appreciate the, the compassion and grace to not want to inflict shame, at the same time, we need to know. I mean, like, we, 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 we need to feel, we need to experience, we need to empathize, and, and I, I mean, that's a, that is one of my greatest struggles. I, I have never really had to face, to face discrimination. I've never really had, had to face racism. I've, I've observed it. I've, I've been hurt over it, um, and so the, really my only experience is through those that have sharing with me. And if your intent is to, if you're, you're, the intent of your heart will carry what's right as far as the Lord is shaping you. And if your intent is to invite them in because you trust them, because you love them, and not because you want to inflict pain or, or, or some other, you know, kind of motive, if, if that motive is there, then it's going to be something the Lord uses for good, you know. And so, I, I mean, I would say, like, I, I need to feel more. I need to know more. I need to see more. I mean, that's kind of what we were talking about at the very beginning, the need for awareness. And so it's, it's do you trust those brothers and sisters enough, enough? Do you trust them enough to invite them in? Um, do you trust the, the grace of Jesus enough to, uh, to where they come up short in their response to actually give you greater compassion to continue to persist and invite and then learn from one another. And, and so that's, that's my short input. of I've just, I say, please persevere. Please invite me in and please help me to understand. Uh, and don't, and, and I mean, it's through that suffering that we know joy. That's loaded. Uh, so we're going to deal with this real quick and then young lady in the back, we'll get you into this. So this, um, man, hurt, pain, anger, frustration, 
There's a lot, man, to, the, <laughs> to this response. Uh, you're going to have to be vulnerable. Ding. That's check. But you need to call them to vulnerability as your brothers and as your sisters in the Lord. Say that I need to have a real talk with you. Um, I've had those, man. I've had those in the last two weeks with people that a buddy of mine who's planting a church in, in D.C. He's a 30-year in, and he's uh, a white pastor right in the middle of the heart of downtown D.C. He's got Anacostia on that side, PG County, where Kevin Durant's from. Most of it's like lower-income homes, not even two miles away, upper crust D.C., where senators and congressmen live at. They're all coming to this church. And my question and my challenge to him was, what are you going to do? Because you have to do something. You cannot pastor these people and not say something about this and deal with it constructively and responsibly. His response was, well, it'll be okay, you know. And, and my response was, no, it might not be okay. It might not be okay. Not for where you live. His response was, then what do I do? Not Start telling them, well, this is what I would do first of all. You need, to, you, need to, you need to call a town hall. You need to listen to your people. You need to, outside of a Sunday morning, just to hear. Given strategic, so when I say awareness, that's what I mean. Like, think about, man, what do I do in this instance? If I don't know, I need to know. I need to get a vernacular. I need to get a vocabulary to figure out what do I say, what do I not say. And ask your closest friends, different colors, different ethnic backgrounds, say, well, how do I do this? I don't want to mess this up. That's where we are right now. The church is there, and society is there. That's where we are. We are there right now. And if we don't do these things, um, and I say this carefully, the church will continue to be looked at as irrelevant and not in the game with no answers. That's the way, that's the, way the world, I think it was George Barna put a report out, said most people who are unchurched, uh, unengaged, or de-churched see the church as unengaged. Socially, they don't have the answer. They don't know. They have no comment. That's a very real, that's how, that's how the nation sees us. And so we have to take a step forward and, and, and have discussions and have, and, you never, and you'll be blessed. I'll say this because there's also, you mentioned the joy of the whole experience. There's a powerful thing about having dialogue that the Holy Spirit uses it in ways you wouldn't even imagine. And you'll leave so edified, might be afraid at first, you'll be so edified by what somebody will tell you about how they feel. And you'll leave educated, too. You'll leave knowing more. Uh, but it's hard, though. It's hard. Yep, you. <laughs> Where'd it go? Oh, you have to hold it. Okay. Um, hi. Um, I think my question is, is, yes, we can talk about this in the church, but I feel like it's even uh, not more, but further impactful if we start integrating this in our communities. And that's my biggest question is I, I grew up in that little bitty West Texas town that you were talking about earlier. Everybody has is a preconceived notion of anybody around. Where are you from? Uh, Canyon, Texas. Yep. yep. You know exactly what I'm talking about. <clears throat> and I think you, you know that everybody's pretty homogenous in that community, right? 92% white, 0.5% black, right? Now I live in the third ward. <laughs> <laughs> right? You kind of know what I'm getting at. Yeah. with us. <laughs> yeah, right? And, um, you know, the first two commandments that God has given us is to love him and to love others. And at the end of the day, that's if you take care of those two, you've pretty much covered everything else. But, and I'm trying to carry that over to my neighbors, 
right, to my friends and I'm, and I'm creating that relationship. But I'm wondering what more I can do and what more we can do in our communities because the thing is, whenever I was a little girl, if you moved to a new community, you would bake some cookies and you would knock on people's doors and you'd say, hey, I'm new to the neighborhood. But you can't do that anymore, right? Because of phones, I, if I'm going over to a friend's house, I text them whenever I'm outside their door. And so if somebody comes and knocks on my door, I'm peeking out the window saying, who in the world is that? So at what point do we carry that over into our communities besides, like, I, I peek out my windows and if there's somebody outside, I, like, go outside and check my mail, you know? <laughs> you know? That, that's where it starts, Chase. I mean, that's where it starts. And, you know, you think about uh, the body of Christ, the church, and how God, again, intends to work. It, it is, I mean... By all means, churches, local churches should be mindful and, and should be active in, in, in the ways that they are able, taking initiative. But I will say the greatest impact, if we truly want to see, as you said, it actually in, in, uh, invade our communities, it is going to be the what you just described. It's going to be you opening up your door, opening up your heart, opening up your house, and opening up your life. And so it's praying for it. It is being intentional to, to connect because just as much as Roswell was talking about the phone, our, our common culture, of it's, it's actually people live inside. And so it's like actually being intentional to get outside and then to be intentional to step beyond what you're comfortable with. Everyone is comfortable, more comfortable with people like them. It is just, it's natural. And if you think about the way God works, he always meets us where we're at, but he doesn't leave us where we're at. And so if you look at all of culture, all of creation, naturally expressed, they gather in likeness. But yet the gospel, as it infiltrates, eradicates that. And it actually causes more of a mix, you know? And so you see, I mean, like... If you're, you're, you're if the bridge, if you're part of the bridge, it, we all celebrate and love the idea of, of us being diverse in every way. Now, but you look at our reality, we're not that diverse. And so we, in, in the most sincere intent of our heart, it is still a great challenge. And so I would just say, think about how God works, meeting us where we're at, but yet not leaving us there. We, we don't, don't resent the natural gathering of likeness but have compassion upon it, enter into it, and invite people to the beauty and the truth of Jesus. Because it is only the gospel that transforms. No community initiative, no, no personal work will transform any, any, anyone or anything with lasting change. Only the gospel of Jesus. And so it's living it out. It is letting the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control being evident in your life as you are sanctified, as you are changed over time more into his likeness. And it is through that person that you stalked, you bent your blinds and waited till they went to check their, their mail. And you ran outside nonchalantly. Hey, you know, like that's, that sounds silly. But, that, and then it's being there over time, earning trust, being patient, earning a voice again. And so that, the, and here's the, here's the magic in, in the gospel is that you've lived your life in a way so consistently, and one day there's going to be something that the world sees, that, that the, the, the community around you, and they're going to say, wait a second, Chase. 
what's what's different about you? Like, what compels you to to love the way you do? What 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 is your anchor of hope in the midst of all that prevails that seems so horrendous and so ugly and so hateful? And then you get to think about what Peter said to the church. He said, "Being ready to give a reason for the hope that you have in Christ at all times." Wow. And so, all of a sudden, now when you're speaking truth. It is not just words. All of a sudden, your life is now the apologetic for that truth. And you got, and, and it's like all of a sudden, it's like, the, it's like from black and white to technicolor for them. They, they, they've most likely been exposed. They've most likely been exposed to some truth of the gospel. They've most likely heard that they're sinners. They've most likely heard that the church, you know, means to save you. But all of a sudden, it's about Jesus, and it's not about this cultural thing. And I just think about uh, what Warren Wearsby who knows who Warren Wiersbe is, right? Uh, he, he's a commentator, right? But I love what he said. He said, he said uh, I have it somewhere. Here it is. He says, uh, truth without love is brutality, and love without truth is hypocrisy. And so that picture of what you're describing is actually truth and love. And so it's the living consistently. And that's where you think about now, you think about all of us doing that in our neighborhoods and in our communities and in... And, and, uh, I think it's Jonathan Edwards that said, this is my paraphrase of what he said really well, do whatever you can, you know, as often as you can, however you can, when you can, something like that. Like this, it's like we, we've all got different opportunity. We've all got different giftings. And so therefore, again, it's like living out uh, as the Lord has, has led you in your own giftings, in your own opportunities. You live in a third world where I don't live. You have opportunities there I don't have. But then also you can invite others in as you uh, put more roots there. So go ahead, Roswell. Real quick, that's powerful, man. Third Ward, that's where I live. In. I live in there too, and so you'll like people like food. So cookies, warm sandwiches, you get a smile. And a very, I mean, people are great in Third Ward. They're nice people there. Great people. I've awesome neighbors on both U of H side and other side. What you're talking about, we see Jesus and the Samaritan woman. That is like. Man, when he does this, Jesus. So so he 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 just he just brings us to the. Every time he brings us, he says, I'm going to take you to the line. At that day, if I'm, if I'm wrong, there was social and racial tension between Jews and Samaritans. Check or no? Check. Big time. She said, why are you talking to me? You're not allowed to do that. You're a Jew. I'm and a he knew that he, if he got caught, it, it could have been curtains <laughs> over with. Before he goes to Samaritan, he actually, the Bible says, Jesus told the disciples, I must needs go through Samaria. And those words, when you break them down in the Greek, what they actually mean is that he had a, his eyes were fixed. He had to go, basically. So it was just like transformative for us. He had, that was his, that was his attitude, right? And so let's not be so Christian easy with, well, he was God. Well, he was God, but he was also a man too. Full well, he knew what he was doing. And what, what compels me about that question with what I thought about as you were talking, man, that was everything. I would slide this point right in what he just said. Let's follow the example of Christ. In a racial, heightened, and in, in charged climate environment, what do we see Jesus doing? We see him taking risks, and he's not doing it foolishly. He knows what he's doing. He's calling us to do the same thing. He's calling us to take risks. Jesus is calling us to go to the, Samar go to the Samaritan people. <laughs> so if, if you're black and that's white or Hispanic, 
he's calling you. If, if you're white and that's black, Middle Eastern, he's calling us to go to the Samaritan space, if you will, to engage people who aren't like us, who are, who are, not, who are not close to us, who are not near us, not like us. And with a gift, he bears a cool cup of water, living water, literal water from the well. We're bearing cookies and sandwiches. But when it's all said and done, that's, the, that's where the carry, that's where the nugget is. You're driving and you're going somewhere. And, I would, and I, would, I would encourage you, sister, not to be afraid and to have the attitude that was in Christ, to have that same attitude towards your neighbors in third ward. And I would, I would compel you and I would encourage you and charge you that you'd be amazed at what God would do and the friendships you would develop and the trust between your neighbors and your neighborhood. And so that's just a, a glimpse of what we have to do, all of us. We have to, we have to be like that. We have to take, take risks. Um, have to take risks and say, you know what? I can't run with this side no more. Or that attitude, that mentality of my man, what was your name, brother? I'm sorry. Kenneth, you know, got some friends here to disown on Facebook. Delete. That's a, that's, that's a real, we laugh about it. You know, folks show up, delete it. <laughs> I got deleted from, but that's a very real thing. I've done that. Right? Calling us to the place of honest decisions, man. That's where we are. That the church can be responsible and lead out in doing that. I think that we could make an impact. Um, but this is hard, though. <laughs> this is hard. I, I'm, really, I'm really blessed by the honesty in the room. Uh, man, we had another hour. That'd be great. I know we don't have another hour. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much. I know. I know. Like people have questions and have concerns about what you've heard, and but I, um, this man, if you remember here, has my information. Uh, if you want to call me, get a, get a coffee. You can just go to your local blacksmith coffee shop. I'm there four days a week. <laughs> I'm always there. Same. I see him all the time. So y'all know where we are. So so. But seriously though, and I and I, I'll do it. I'll sit down with you. I'll pay for your coffee and breakfast, and I have a, we'll have a nice little dialogue. I will do that. Anybody that knows me will, will tell you that I'll do it. Um, and I know he would too as well. Heath at thebridgemontrose.org. Email me. Well, obviously this is barely scratching the surface and, and I would love, we have a few communities represented here today and, and I would love for you to take advantage of that to, to, to start some conversations with people you don't know and that are different than you. I'll also say I know that this need goes way beyond uh, the black and white community. Um, it is it is all those that have been marginalized and discriminated against, and 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 all these minority uh, cultures and ethnicities in our in our in our country, where the the white uh, community has always been kind of the the power historic uh, power community, and so so we want to acknowledge. We know it goes beyond um, just just the black and white communities, and and invite all communities into this work. Um, and so let us take great comfort in God's heart and the way that he designed creation. As, as Roswell started off by saying in Genesis 127, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. All were created in the image of God. And then seeing the full culmination of, of this community of God in Revelation 7, 9 through 10. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits in the throne and to the Lamb. 
and my professor, one of my professors in seminary, he's a he's a a pastor a pastor of an African American church. He he uh, he said, you know, the unity of the church has no hue um, because it is held together by the Holy Spirit. And so taking great comfort in that, and then the posture of the church, thinking of Matthew five thirteen through 18, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your fathers in heaven. That's our opportunity. Thinking about Ephesians 4, 25 and 26. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So let us, let us have these humble, courageous hearts and lives thinking about the heart of Psalm 82, 3 and 4, where we fight, give justice to the weak and the fatherless, maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute, rescue the weak and the needy, deliver them from the hand of the wicked. And as Chase said, we've already had, God has given it, he summed it up in the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And like she said, if we do that, we're good, and that's true. Um, and so let us be rooted in the work of Christ. Let us be compelled by his love and, and, and be patient and graceful with one another.